Welcome to Pod Save the King, the podcast which aims to guide Britain into the 21st century through the use of discussion and debate. My name is Conor Stanislavskis, your host and A-level politics student. Beside me would usually be Alison Bally, however, due to the time of recording, she's unable to make it for today's episode. Today, we'll be exploring our politics theme, discussing the issue of Scottish independence with Scottish author and entrepreneur Paul Walsh, who has a passion for writing children's books in the Scottish language. Remember, you can listen to us on a walk, before a talk, in the park or in the dark on your preferred podcast app or website. So, um, I suppose I should say Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year? What, what um, month are we in now? <laughs> no. Um, for those listening, um, me and Paul met on in Greece, in Rhodes, um, and then we later met, we, we later met in uh, Edinburgh, Livingston, sorry, not Edinburgh. Um, so, yeah. Um, so... I think it's right we start with discussing, you know, the cultural differences between England and Scotland, um, things like Brexit and the kind of idea that England is more regionalised compared to the kind of united Scotland with a single national identity. So on the topic of Brexit, what do you think it is really that kind of is the reason why Scott, the Scots wanted to remain in the EU so much? Well, it's a good question. Um, and it, I, I think um, it probably goes back to back to how, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of Scottish people, I suppose, vote. Um, we've, got the, we've got the Scottish National Party, the SNP, who are kind of in power of the Scottish government up here. Um, and their sort of mandate has always been pro-Europe, basically. Um, and bear in mind that the Scottish government have been in power for, you know, over a decade at least. I think it's actually way longer than that. Um, and as I said, their sort of mandate is very much pro-Europe. So if a lot of those sort of voters um, are voting for the SNP, you know, the assumption would be that that when the Brexit vote came along, um, they would vote to vote to remain ultimately because that's kind of where they see their party and and you know and, and the and where they were going. So that that would be my sort of my sort of short answer, I suppose. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so obviously, and do you, the the links between <clears throat> Brexit and you know this the, the the recent sentiment that you know many Scots do want to leave the UK. Um, with the kind of idea that we're united, like the united, we're stronger. Do you think, with Brexit and everything, with the idea that we're kind of stronger, united, in comparison to, you know, leaving one union to rejoin another, what do you think more Scots would say in response to that? Um, I, I mean, I think it. it it's not. I don't think it's as black and white as 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 that as leaving as leaving one one united um, sort of place to to go to another, because I think it kind of comes back down to you know years and years of of kind of. I'm trying to think of this in the most politically correct way to to say, Connor. To be completely oh yeah honest. yeah, I'm I'm just yeah for for me it it, it kind of comes down to. I think there's a lot of people up here um, in Scotland 
Um, and I'm not a, I'm not some sort of Scottish freedom fighter or anything like that. Okay, so I don't want to sort of paint that sort of illusion yeah. that I am. But trying to sort of speak from a balanced opinion, you've got if we take the Brexit scenario as an example, you've got a, a country or a region, if you would call Scotland, a region of the United Kingdom that categoric, categorically voted um, to remain within Brexit or to remain, sorry, to, make, to remain within Europe. But actually, that voice in comparison to the wider United Kingdom voice um, actually kind of falls on deaf ears simply due to the numbers. Um, Scotland didn't vote for Brexit, but we still had to leave as part of the United Kingdom. And I think it's that that sort of like operating with one arm tied tied behind your back when it comes to this decision making. Yeah. Is the is the the bigger driving force if that makes sense. Um, it's the kind of what's the point in having a vote, having a say if actually it doesn't really mean anything in the in the bigger picture. So I don't know if that kind of answers your your question around around you know the the sort of difference in in the. And, and being united against uh, with one country or being united within a broader collection of countries. But I think from an economic perspective, you know, it, the whole trade, you know, freedom to trade within the European Union, for example, is something that we now no longer have as easy access to as what we did have, you know, sort of, was it 2016 or when was it? Whenever the vote was kind of yeah, made. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or maybe a little bit later. Um, and yeah, as I say, I kind of, I kind of think it kind of goes back to that. To be honest, um, from from certainly from my perspective, it, you know, it's it's probably easier to feel a, a bit aggrieved by that. Um, that's such a massive, um, massive call, such a massive decision to make. And actually, there was no point really in in voting unless the vote was to leave, because that's what we ended up doing. Yeah, I do get that. Yeah, I mean, I was too young at the time, and I've, I'm I'm still too young now to have you know a say on whether i would have read your would have left the eu sorry but you know cut like at this moment in time i would have considered myself a remainer i would have preferred to remain within the eu and i can see you know why most scots do feel the way they do um so I obviously think the, the, the thing as well what i would <clears throat> what i would kind of say though as well connor is that what what you you know if you if you were to go back and look at how the the journey of um, of leading up to Brexit and that whole vote actually happened is the the propaganda, the scaremongering. The oh, I say scaremongering. That's actually maybe the wrong word to use. In fact, it probably is the wrong word to use. But certainly the propaganda for how much money um, we would save as a as a collective, um, you know, country, United Kingdom, for example, not not having to pay sort of the European Union fees, so to speak, to be part of that. That money would yeah. be then reinvested back into, say, like the NHS and the police and the schools, you know, all those sort of, sort of public services that you would expect. And, you know, fast forward sort of five or six, seven years down the line, um, and we can actually see not just our country, but worldwide, there's there's a, there's a bit of an economic issue going on. Do you know what I mean? With the whole cost yeah, of living yeah, piece and things yeah. like that. But at the end of the day, you know, that that's just another another reason, or let's say another reason, but it's a... No one can predict the future in that sense. We don't really know how things are going to go off the back of any sort of decision. Um, but here we are. We can yeah. see that the NHS is failing. We can see that you know that the public services in general are failing. Hence why everyone's striking. Inflation is is kind of huge at, the, at this moment in time as well. So there, there's loads of things that come off the back of it. And then one would maybe ask, would we be in a better position if we had chosen to remain? Or you know, and then but who knows? I don't. I certainly don't know. I'm yeah, not yeah. an economist and, or anything like that. But it does beg the question. 
Yeah, yeah, you do bring up a good point. <laughs> you know, I mean, despite me being quite young at the time of the Brexit referendum, um, I do remember the big red bus and was it something like 300 million promised for the NHS on the side of that big red bus? And that 300 million is nowhere to be seen. So in that respect, I, I do understand what you're saying. I think it's actually been proven that, I would say proven, but certainly I think there's a lot of evidence to, to suggest that that was completely and utterly made up, completely fabricated. Yeah. And it was a, a use of propaganda that certainly made a lot of people vote to um, vote to leave. Um, yes. And then we can actually see the, the impact of that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I don't know if you remember, Nigel Farage used a, a reuse, should I say, a very <coughs> famous political poster. Um, it was first used, used in 1979 by Thatcher and the Conservatives, the Labour isn't working poster, if any of the listeners either lived at the time or have seen the poster. Um, that was a massive poster at the time. And Nigel Farage actually reused that poster but replaced a long line of unemployed people with a long line of immigrants and it stated the eu isn't working so mm -hmm. i do agree with you there was a lot of propaganda um and i suppose that scene as well recently with you know the recent poll showing that majority of the constituencies within the united kingdom now regret brexit bar three in you know the like the south east or something so yeah in that respect i do understand what you're saying um so if you if you if you don't mind, I'd like to move on to mm -hmm. you know the comparison between the kind of regionalized England to what seems to be from from my perspective a, a kind of unified Scottish voice. Um, so obviously, as when I speak about Scotland, I do speak as an English person. Um, I can't say that I, I'm not saying I, I speak on behalf of any Scottish people or anything like that. But in kind of in kind of the idea to a united Scotland, do you think that's the case? Do you think Scotland is kind of more united as a more like solidified national identity compared to England? Um, I think again, uh, like you know, if if you if you if you ask someone who's not from the UK what what their sort of impression of Scotland is, um. You know, a lot of people will kind of turn around and, and, and they'll sort of quote Braveheart, for example, and they'll talk about people running about with blue blue and white face paint on. They'll talk about, you know, everyone yeah. running about with, with skirts on. Well, kilts is obviously what I mean, but they'll say skirts, you know, yeah. drinking whiskey and eating shortbread. That, that, the reason why a lot of people say things like that um, is because Scotland has built up this and, and capitalised, I suppose, on this um this sort of yeah this is like, like a branding of the country yeah but absolutely. actually you know scotland's nothing nothing like that at all it's it's a it's a hub for eco energy it's a hub for gas and oil do you know what I mean? it's a really progressive nation within itself do you know what i mean and yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and and anyway so my, my kind of point being there is that you know, whilst from the outside it might look like we all we're all sort of thinking and, and look the same, we certainly don't. We're just like any other country, I suppose, when it um, in the world. But but from a, a sort of you, you mentioned that whole regionalised piece as well. When you look, look, and again, if you come back to any sort of election, like a general election, for example, you know, when you look at that sort of UK map, you'll see that the majority of Scotland. Um, you know, will be coloured in yellow for the you know for 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 um for voters that are voting for the SNP. Yeah. But when you look at the the sort of the percentages or the margins there, 
you know, you might have like a box coloured or a region coloured in yellow, but it's not, it's not always overwhelming, you know, 70, 80%. Yeah. Sometimes it's really seriously close, you know, you know, by a percent or two here and there. Yeah. So, yeah. so when you kind of dig under the, under the surface a little bit, um, I think it would be unfair to say that there's a united voice at this moment in time. And just like when you go back to the independence referendum in 2014, I think it was, you know, I think it was a 55-45 split. Right, now, yeah, yeah. Now, now, on either side, that's never going to keep either side happy. Do you know what I mean? Think mm. about it. If you if you were if you were like a, a manager of a team, for example, and actually 40% of your staff weren't happy, or 40% of your staff had grievances around how the team was being run, that wouldn't be a happy place for you to govern. Do you know what no, I mean? No, certainly not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, but but like that is kind of that is kind of life. That is ultimately politics at the end of the day as well. So whilst I think there are, I think going by recent polls, there's more of a you know there's a, there's a majority of of perhaps sort of like you know pro independence pro pro sort of Scotland coming together and, and perhaps sort of seeking a, a, a you know a, a, another referendum. I, I don't think it's an overwhelming majority. So right. it is a majority, yeah. but not overwhelming. And I think yeah, yeah. They're, they're two very different different ways to look at it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so now, if you don't mind, we'll move on. Um, so uh, I'd like to talk about Nicola Sturgeon, if you don't mind, uh, First Minister. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard, you know, recent news. It was actually today. Um, the time of recording for listeners is the 12th of February. Uh, major newspapers, I think it was The Times or The Mirror, one or the other, or both. Um, apparently now a recent poll shows that 40% of Scots are calling for Nicola Sturgeon to resign. 40% of Scots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah pro- probably makes about sense because... Because sixty percent of Scots probably, a lot, I, I think the the poll would be much. Well, as in, I, I've not heard that right for a start. But secondly, I would question the um, the, the percentages can be misleading there. So forty yes. percent of Scots doesn't surprise me because you might find that the majority of those forty percent of Scots don't vote SNP, don't don't support independence. Therefore, they'd like to see her probably go out, let someone yeah, else go in. True. But I'm not sure as a party. You know, if if a new leader came in, I'm not sure that manifesto for seeking independence would change. So, yeah. um, so I, so I don't know how how helpful that poll is, but I'd be interested or, or keen to know what the um what the what, you know what the scale of how many of that forty percent would be SNP people. If it was forty percent of our own party or own party voters, then obviously that would be a big problem for Nicola Sturgeon. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, um, I agree with you there. Yeah, um, so. We talk about divisions, you know, between the UK and Scotland or just more England and Scotland. Um, Now, looking at, like, the future, looking into the future, how do you think, if they could be, how do you think these divisions could be resolved between the, you know, the two regions of the UK? Well, so I think, and again, there's, there's probably... If you, if you on, a, on a Thursday, if you can manage to, to sort of dial into the First Minister's questions at Holyrood, as an example, you can you can just see a, a parliament of, I mean, it's just like, it's just like Westminster as well, you know, it's just politicians yeah. having absolute bun fights and all this kind of stuff. Uh, other than, other than a, a sort of small percentage of normal people, there's not this huge division that, that's maybe perceived. I don't think there is anyway. I work, I work on, a, on you know, um, <clears throat> with people from all around the world. Um, and 
I work with a lot of people from down in England. I think I think I think English people, maybe in the media, it, it portrays portrays to you guys down south that that everyone up here is just desperate to get away from the from the from the from the United Kingdom. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. And and I don't I don't think that the that the average person walking down the street is absolutely desperate to leave. I really don't. Right. Um. But certainly, you know, the, there is there is that sort of hardcore unit of people, just like there is for any sort of movement, that really want to sort of bang that drum and kind of leave. So, I think your question is around, you know, how do we kind of mend those those sort of two regions and and, and things? I'm, I, you know, I, I'm I'm not sure I see that every day. I'm not sure I see a big a huge divide. I think wow. like any I think like any piece of land which is, you know. X to Y long, and there's going to be cultural differences, for yeah, sure. Um, and sometimes I think when you, especially for from a from a, a, a politics side of things, when you see that there are certain decisions made in Westminster that affect Scotland, and actually again, it's not necessarily Scotland's wish or desire to to sort of get into to some sort of policy or whatever it might be, or to support a sort of policy. That's where that's where a bit of ill feeling can sometimes come in. I think there was I can't remember exactly what it was, but um, you know maybe three or four weeks ago, I think there was something blocked by Westminster that was passed through Scottish Parliament to do like transgender rights or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now the Scottish Parliament voted to allow whatever it was, and Westminster blocked it legally. So at that point, you kind of stand back and go, well, actually, how strong is our Parliament, and and how? you know are we just are we just having a laugh up here type thing or actually yeah, do we yeah. have full decision making? well i know we don't have full decision making power right because i get that's that that's kind of it's devolved power it's devolved certain amounts of that um and it's not full but i think that 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 sort of mend that you that you maybe seek there and in, in your sort of word in is perhaps the interim measure so to speak if it is ever going to be independence maybe it's not for now but certainly more devolved powers, more decision-making powers for Scottish Parliament probably appease quite a lot of average people. I say average people, that's not what I mean. Just not like normal Joe Bloggs like me yeah, yeah, walking yeah. down the street every other day. I think that's maybe that's maybe the sort of where, where it goes. Yeah, so on the, keeping on that same line, um, I'm not sure if uh, towards the end of 2022 there was a show on Channel 4 called Make Me Prime Minister. Um, now, one of the right. finalists was um, an SNP supporter, um, Kelly Given, she was called. Um, and on her social media, around the time that the Supreme Court blocked, um, you know, uh, an, in an independence referendum for Scotland, she considered she kind of deemed the United Kingdom undemocratic, as well as also some SNP. Uh, well, if not the majority of SNP um, MPs have also deemed the union undemocratic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um would you deem the union undemocratic? And if you if you had the power, what would you do to reform it? <laughs> what a question! Yeah. Um, well, I mean, this is I suppose this is where you know, like at the start of the show, I've kind of said, you know, I'm not a I'm not someone that'll I'm not like a sort of like banging the drum for independence or or for whatever it is. And I really and I'm not. I mean, if, even within my family, I've got people that are really strong voiced around it and opinionated around it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know they they come from maybe like a you know like a different age bracket than me, for example. So we've got very different you know different views on the world and what we've sort of been brought up with. You know they'll have been brought up in the 70s and 80s with with Margaret Thatcher, for example, doing some yeah. 
it's pretty serious harm. So a lot of people would say to Scotland and um, and and England for that matter when it comes to things like mining industry and coal industry and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry, I've lost my train of thought to be honest, but this is what happens with me. I just kind of go off on one sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah. But what was the question again? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so you you not you like undemocratic, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll move on. Um, no, no. I'll just just give, give me the question again and, and, and edit out for me because I think it's a really really good question. It's a yeah. Really good question so so what, what would you yeah. do to reform the union? Well, I, I, yeah. So I, I think it kind of goes back to a sort of part part of my answer before, I suppose, which would be if you're going to give. Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland devolved powers, which exist today, right? Yeah. Um, I think in order for any sort of progression, then it's probably more devolved power decision making. I mean, that that's that's the kind of only way that I could see the United Kingdom staying united, if that makes sense. Because yeah, yeah. there's pro-independence people across lots of lots of different. You know, Wales have got a, their own sort of pro-independence agenda doesn't don't they scotland yeah, yeah. seems to definitely get the sort of loudest voice when it comes to when it comes to that probably as how close it was you know sort of a decade ago yeah but i mean from a reform perspective i really honestly i i, I suppose it's probably just not my my sort of area of yeah, to be fair, you know, think, you know, expertise, if that makes sense, certainly not expertise. The but. majority of politicians in Westminster can't even answer that question. So I think you've done good enough with, with the with the answer that you gave. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> so previously throughout throughout history, Scotland has been, you know, a Labour Party stronghold. Um, and I mean, I say this from my perspective as a, you know, a Labour Party supporter. Um it, oh, fingers crossed, Labour do win in the next general election. Now, Labour still have some kind of power in Scotland. They are, I believe, are they the second largest party within the devolved parliament? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Yeah. So if there was a Labour government voted in the next general election, do you think that this could sway some of kind of some of some supporters of independence? Do you think that that could sway them to uh, remain within the UK? I think it. I think it probably could, and and the reason I say that is because I, I genuinely think that if you, even if you just go back on a twelve month cycle of the the farce that the Tories have made, not not just not just with you know how they're running the country, but actually look at the manner and the behaviourism that that they're portraying through the last twelve months. You yeah. know, if you even if and again go back to the whole COVID piece, you know you've you've got ministers, prime ministers actually you know, blatantly breaking rules, having parties, all this kind of stuff, whilst they're obviously, you know, telling us to stay indoors, don't don't see people, don't speak to people, don't visit your family that are, you know, on their deathbed, all this kind of stuff, yeah. and they're flaunting the rules. Now, I don't believe it would just be them that are flaunting the rules, but, but ultimately they're the ones in charge, they're the ones that should be leading by example. That's a huge breach of trust for people, and it, it still baffles me that, 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 you know, that they remain in power. And, and actually... Uh, you know, when when it came to the whole Boris Johnson leaving, Liz Truss, was Liz Truss, wasn't it? Sort of getting yeah, into power, and then only a matter of you know a couple of months or whatever it was, and then you've you've got sort of Sunak in, in place. That that in itself tells a story that 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 even their own they, they can't even manage their own party. Never mind a, a nation of countries. 
So I, th I think I think Labour will need to score a massive own goal not to not to gain power for the next general election. Um, and then I suppose it's how they position what they're going to do for Scotland. Um, yeah. And if they, you know, and, and again, they, they will be the ones, I suppose, sort of, um, you know, sort of to come out with their sort of manifesto, not just for the UK, but for Scotland. And again, we, all, we know how the, 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 the sort of devolved powers that, that, that come up to us. What does that really mean going forward? And it might mean more devolved powers in order to sort of quash some of that independent, pro-independence sort of speak, I suppose. Um, and to win a few voters back, but yeah, um, but I, I can't see it being any other way. To be honest, I think Labour will get into power, and I think um, and I think that'll be the sort of next big question for Scotland. But what you will see is people like Nicola Sturgeon turning round and just saying that you know, like any politician probably would, is to say they're just as inept as, as the previous government, and, yeah. and it only just takes one 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 thing bad to happen. For to to fuel up the opposition to to simply say you're no better than the, the than the previous regime, you know you're just the same people in different colour attire. Yeah, completely. Um, yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, so kind of moving on again. Um, sorry, we have got a, quite a bit to get through. So no, I'm all, so quite... good, mate. I'm all good. Um, I'm all good. Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously our system of voting for UK general elections is first past the post which is, you know, a plurality system. Um, and some critics have argued that it kind of forgets smaller parties. Um, so if Scotland was to gain independence, and we're talking about an independent Scotland already separate from the UK at this point, in this kind of, um, in this what I'm portraying, would you consider retaining first past the post for Scotland or would you change it to a more or would you be in favour to change it to a more proportional system one that kind of incorporates all parties well I think it goes back to that whole what's truly democratic doesn't it yeah, yeah. That, that sort of question what's truly democratic so again like how, how long has the first past the post system been in place it's been decades upon decades hasn't it yeah, yeah. Um, does that does that still fit um, a progressive nation um I, I don't i don't know is is, is the real answer or certainly yeah, my answer, which i know is not helpful for for you and your and your sort of listeners but no, no, but but um but yeah so i i would i mean look this take, take politics out of it any any and, and treat it like a business any business needs to change and adapt in order to get the best and you to, to get the best out of it um, so if that means it would be a change to the sort of voting system, I'd be all for that. I just need to see what that looks like. I think there's a bigger problem, and I think the bigger problem is the actual turnout. Right, I think, yeah. I don't know if you've got the stats to you, but even in a general election, I think the turnout's only about 60%, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, very low. Um, I right. think 2019 was like 59%, um, right. which, is, which is awful. Um, if you know, you're looking at large squares of the population being forgotten in a way, um, it's not they've forgotten. They have they have a voice. They can vote. They, they're they're true. able to vote. But it's about how you, how do you sort of, I don't know if enforce is the right is the right term to use. But how do you make sure that people vote and that a true voice is heard? Yeah. Now again, if you if you go back to your whole Brexit, and I'd love to see the stats on this as well. I remember reading about them at the time. But I think one of the things that really annoyed me was, as a as a collective nation, say we voted for. To, to to for Brexit, we voted to to leave, but actually again the turnout 
was was pretty poor. I think it was bigger than a normal general election, if I remember rightly. But it still still doesn't kind of cover the vast majority of people. So what yeah. what, do, what do those people think? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What, what's their opinion? Yeah. And I know that I know it's their responsibility to go out and vote. They get the the offer to do that. Um, but how much would that have changed the outcome of not just a Brexit, but any any sort of vote that that sort of goes past? So I think that's a bigger problem, and how we encourage people to do that. Um, and, it, and it kind of starts with, I think anyway, starts with the younger generations that are coming through. I, I certainly remember being at school um, in subjects like modern studies, as an example, which is I don't know what it's called down in England, but modern studies was the was the sort of politics type. Um, lessons that we would have, right? Okay, they were not enforced lessons. Do you know what I mean? So unless yeah, you were yeah. in those lessons, unless you had an interest in them, um, then actually you you know you didn't you wouldn't have known to go and vote unless someone told you to go and vote. So I think yeah. that's a bigger problem. And I think it starts with the schooling system um, from an educational perspective, and then I think there's got to be something else that's done out there to make sure that people get out and vote. And that doesn't start with people chaffing on your door. I think that's probably one of the the least effective ways to to sort of get people doing things. I like I, I do postal voting as an example because I'm too lazy to go to the to the the polling office. Yeah, fair um, enough. I don't know how many people actually know that you can do postal voting and how easy it is to set up. But I, I know that well. I, I am a member of Labour and Labour at the moment are trying to push people to do post. You know, do the votes for the post because of the new voter ID. It's easier to actually they found to you know vote through the post than it is to apply for this voter ID and you know go through all that mm -hmm. um but why not electronically as well i don't like you know if you've got you've got uh, uh, you know the vast majority of people have now got smart devices which are fully secured by passwords and face ids and all this kind of stuff so why but you know I, and i don't know the answer to these but there's got we talked earlier about change there's going to be a, a change in the way we do things we do things in a very archaic way i think in this country sometimes yeah and there's an there's an example of we're not if we want people, if we want younger generations to vote, for example, then make it easy. Let them pick up their phone, let them log into a government system, and let them press a button. Yeah, I completely um, agree with you. But anyway, that's just my and old man, middle-aged opinion coming out. No, no, I completely agree with you. And it's seen, it, you know, we've got proof that that's um, that that that's what people want. You know, people are now getting well, younger generations are now getting involved with politics through things like e-petitions and you know polls that are conducted online and the turnout for for like the amount of people that you know contribute to these online petitions and other things massively outweighed the amount of people that go out to vote in a general election so i think i completely agree with you and i'm sure the listeners will agree with you as well we need to take advantage of you know what we have available to us um and i think another another thing that kind of affects voter turnout is um have you ever uh, are you aware of the term political apathy no so it's people are tired of, you know, as you say, the same system over and over. They're tired, you know, I won't swear, but everybody urinating in the same pot. That's what, you know, that's what message to kind of bring it is coming across, especially to me, who is a political, politically motivated person and potentially to others. So this idea that nothing is changing, that, you know, kind of, it doesn't, this idea that, you know, people think that, well, why? What's one vote going to change? I think it all contributes to, you know, as you as you mentioned, low turnout and a lack of participation. Um, so yeah. Now um, the final thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, you know, keeping I suppose keeping on with the topic of change. Um, now it's, it was proposed by 
and I can't remember his name from the top of my head, but it was proposed by, uh, you know, uh, an SNP supporter. Um, and it's a UK federation. Um, so his idea, this, this man whose name I've suddenly <laughs> forgot at the wrong time, um, is the idea of, you know, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, um, and English regions, each being governed by their own either assemblies or parliaments, and contributing equally into a united federation. Um, now, do you think that Scot Scotland would prefer this? I've got absolutely no idea, Connor. Yeah, I, I think mean, I think to me that sounds it sounds pretty inefficient. Um, yeah. I, th I suppose when you know, and again, a lot of Scotland's actually kind of squashed into this kind of. Like Scotland's a big country, actually, from a landmass perspective, but I think if you look at where people are actually populated, you know, you've got kind of got Glasgow on the on the kind of west side, Edinburgh on the kind of east. You've got the whole central belt, and then you know you've got a lot of space between that central belt and say like an Aberdeen and Inverness, for example. Yeah. yeah. Um, or even that, you know, I mean, there's, like, there's people are spread. Um, there, there is there is pockets of, of people uh, or cities and towns and things like that, of course. But uh, for me, that, that like how, how, how different can people be thinking in the radius of, you know, 100, 150 miles? Yeah. You know what I mean, and like England's a very, a very different country in that sense where, well, it's just you know it's it, it's kind of am I making sense you know with the, the sort yeah, of yeah, people yeah, are yeah. plotted you know you've kind of got consistent cities from top to bottom whereas as I say in Scotland it's quite kind of like it's very sort of I'm not going to say the word congested I don't know if that's the right word to use but Edinburgh, between Edinburgh and Glasgow is only like 35 miles 40 miles do you know what I mean so yeah, like yeah. how 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 kind of different you know can can people be thinking in that in that sort of um, sense I don't know. But again, from a fed, that federation perspective, I'm, I'm not sure. Again, it would be that type of thing where you really need to understand the mechanics of it to make a to make a sort yeah, of true probably. true sort of true sort of answer, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think on that note, it's right that we finish the podcast here. Um, thank you for coming on. We do appreciate it. Um, would you like to tell listeners about any of your recent books um, that you've written? Yeah, um, thanks very much. Uh, so, I suppose um, I've been writing children's storybooks for probably about three or four years now. I've been I've actually had lots of ideas for probably probably for about ten or fifteen years, but it's only in the last few that I've actually managed to managed to sort of get them published. Um, and I think at the start when you were introducing me, you sort of mentioned that I like to write in kind of Scots language, um, and. It, it, the reason for doing that is well, probably a couple of reasons. Firstly, it's fun. Um, um, we, we have lots of laughs and, and sort of giggles with the, with the young kids when they're actually using Scots Scottish words, uh, words yeah. that you've never really heard before. Um, and uh, but it's also, you know, I think vitally important to actually protect Scots as a language as well. Yeah, like a lot of people from around the world might just think that we speak English, and of course we do speak English, hence why we're speaking right now. Um, but actually, there is a there is a different language, you know, and there's many different dialects of of, of Scottish language as well, which make it even um, uh, even more impressive, I suppose. So yeah, so I've I've got a couple of books out. 
they are very silly books. The, the whole point is that they're that they should be fun and engaging for the children. So don't expect the adults to um, to, to absolutely love them or anything like that. Although yeah. um, many do. But one of my favourite ones is a, is a book called The McScarfs, and that is a uh, ten Scottish animals who visit ten Scottish locations. Um, and of course, it's written in Scots as well. Um, and they're a clan of of um, yeah of Scottish animals, and they all have their own tartan. They um, yeah, they, they they all they all sort of promote something that's very Scottish, um, but also, as I said, just promoting sort of you know unusual Scot Scottish words as well. Um, yeah. And we yeah, I like to uh, go into schools and, and nurseries quite often, and we read the books and we sing a wee song. Um, and as I say, it just kind of helps promote that, that 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 side of Scotland as well internally, and of course from an external as an out of Scotland perspective as well as we've we've managed to sell. Um, a number of books overseas as well uh, to lots of areas that have got pockets of Scottish people that have kind of emigrated. So America, Canada, Australia being sort of three quite big hubs where we've probably managed to sell a couple of thousand books now um, collectively over the last few years. So it's been really, really good. And hopefully one day we can we can sort of expand on those numbers as well and, and reach more people. So yeah, we're yeah. loving it. Great. So... Um... Go and check out Paul's books. Um, if you've got any children in the family, um, I'm sure they won't be disappointed. Um, so thank you for listening to Pod Save the King. Remember, if you would like to send us any feedback or comment on any issues discussed in today's podcast, you can email us at podsavetheking22 at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at pod.save.the.king. Thank you for listening. See you later.